This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Psalm chapter 6. Today our church has gathered to grieve and to question, to comfort one another, to be reminded of the unshakable hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And above all, to worship the God who is always good and ever conducting the events of our lives by the perfect counsel of his will. Even before we were met with this heartbreaking news yesterday, I have felt the weight of brokenness just piling up in my soul over the last couple of weeks, just in talking with you and knowing the members of our church, people that we know and love, uh, walking through an incredible range of situations, terminal diagnosis, mental illness, Sons and daughters not walking with the Lord. Uh, Infants lost in the womb. Adultery. Marriages on life support. The death of a teenage son. And now the loss of a member, uh, an elder, and a friend. And beyond that, there are many things unknown to me, unknown perhaps to anyone, that you may be walking through this morning. And I don't mention any of those things to cause your hopes to sink. I mention them to acknowledge, to bring them up so that we might rightly look at our pain and also remember the goodness and promises of our God. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10, that we might be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. By faith, we can look at the fallenness in this world And right in the face, with great joy, with deep peace, because we know the true love of God in Christ. Our joy runs deeper than the deepest of sorrows. Our hope is higher than the dark clouds of danger and confusion that often loom over our lives. And so as the elders huddled together and talked last night, We thought we would set aside our normal worship service and and walk together through a liturgy of lament. For those of you who may not be familiar with the biblical practice of lament, I want to share a definition by a pastor named Mark Vrogop. He explained, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. To trust. It's not only how Christians grieve, it's the way Christians praise God through their sorrows. Lament is the pathway to praise when life gets hard. It is a Christian experience where we bring our pain and our questions and our burdens to God. And Lord willing, develop deeper trust in Him. It seemed right this morning to return to the book of Psalms. We have seen in our study of the Psalms how raw and how honest they are when it comes to dealing with this life of great joy and real sorrow. Over a third of the Psalms are classified as lament, which means 
one out of three songs in the hymnal of God's people deal with the pain that the world, that we experience in the world in some shape or fashion? What reasons do you have to lament this morning? Psalm 6 contains the typical features we find in nearly every psalm of lament. It is, in fact, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And as we walk with King David through his sorrow, we'll notice how he has left us markers along the trail that teach us the practice of biblical lament. Four steps. One, cry out to God in prayer. Two, bring your burdens to the Lord. Three, ask for God's help. And four, continue to trust. Let me invite those of you who are able to stand to your feet as we read together. Psalm chapter six. Hear now God's holy and inerrant word. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame. In a moment, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first step of lament is to cry out to God. We see this in verses 1 to 3. David begins his journey by looking upward, lifting his eyes to the hills from where his help comes calling on the Lord. You can hear the desperation of this prayer with the use of this interjection, not just Lord, but oh God, he cries. We find David flattened before the Lord. He feels like he's under the Lord's rebuke and under his anger. And while the greatest desire is to know and experience the surety and safety of God's presence, Psalm 6 is sometimes labeled a penitential psalm, a psalm where David's asking forgiveness for sin that he'd committed, but there's not even a hint of sin here. Sometimes David does become broken over his sin and sings about it, but here he sounds a lot like Job, the righteous sufferer who who can't even place his finger on the source of his suffering. He can't identify why it is he has such turmoil within. He just knows he's in the thick of it. And we hear the depth of David's distress as he says his soul is languishing. His bones are troubled. His prayer begins with calling on God. He feels like he's on the brink. And so what is the hope 
of the crushed spirit? Where does the withering soul find life? It is in the Lord. Verse 3, but you, O Lord. David has called upon God from the mire that he's stuck in. He's already lifting his gaze. but, But here, it's not just his gaze, but his heart that is lifted to the Lord. He then asks one of the most repeated questions throughout the whole of Scripture. How long Oh, Lord, how long? He looks at his God and his spiritual condition, and he sees the chasm that separates them. How long will things be this way, he asks. The first step of lament is going to God. Why? Because when our hope is shaken, and when our bodies fail, and when our souls languish, there is a in us to run from him rather than to him. Whether it's because we're angry at God for not meeting our expectations or for doing something we thought he shouldn't have done or whether maybe we're just forgetful of him altogether, trusting in our own supply and strength. Or maybe we think our problems are too big for God to handle or perhaps even too small for his attention. But brothers and sisters, when you feel the weight of the fall upon your life, let your soul fly to God in prayer. Let the reflex of your spirit be to pray in all circumstances and in everything with thanksgiving and prayer. The Psalms teach us page after page to go to God first. It's not just enough to ask in pain how long or why. The missing element of those questions is the source, the one being asked. But to ask the Lord, how long, God? Why, O King of my salvation, why is this happening? In the spirit of prayer, in your sorrow, turn to God who welcomes you always with outstretched arms. The God who invites your pain. The one who is... um, Not afraid of your anger. The Lord who is big enough for all of your questions. Cry out to God. The second step of lament is to bring God your burdens. We see this in verses 6 and 7. Typically, the psalms of lament follow a, a sort of order. They begin with calling on God, and then they move to bringing your sorrows before Him, and then they ask God's help or or petition. You'll, You'll notice that we've momentarily skipped over verses 5 and 6. Why do that? Well, because the order of this flow of thought is important and, and also because pain is not always neatly organized. And so your prayers neither need to be neatly organized. Sometimes we don't care the order of events. Our souls must simply rush to God. And David brings his sorrows, his burdens to the Lord He's weary with moaning, every night flooding his bed with tears, drenching his couch with tears. Sleep is not found. Peace is not reached. And we need to realize the importance of, in these moments, to bring God our burdens and specifically our tears. Charles Spurgeon said of this passage, weeping is the eloquence of sorrow. It is an unstammering orator. 
needing no interpreter, but understood of all. Is it not sweet to believe that our tears are understood even when words fail? Let us learn to think of tears as liquid prayers. In the Psalms just before this one, David seems so confident in the way that he sings. Enemies are approaching on all sides, yet he says, I'm sleeping like a baby. But not here. Because this problem is not from outside, but from within. There's no rest for your soul when you look into it and find such sorrow. And he complains to God of how he can't even see clearly because his grief just shades everything that he sees in the world. He tells the Lord he's fighting this inner war. And then on top of that, the problems are compounded by enemies railing against him. His mind, his body, his soul, his relationships, his status. David holds nothing back from the God of his salvation. He brings it to the Lord in prayer. There's a biblical mandate to complain. A biblical mandate to complain. If we do it the right way. Throughout the Psalms of Lament, we, we see anger, frustration, pain, complaint over family members, over national sin, personal sin, enemies, sickness, lack of feeling God's presence, the list goes on and on. There's a psalm for every season of the soul, every experience of the human condition. This is why John Calvin called it the anatomy of the soul, because in the Psalms is a song for you to, play, to pray in the face of suffering. The scriptures teach us to bring our problems to the Lord, to spread our complaints before him. But David's not modeling murmur. He's not just griping about God. And he does this carefully by bringing into focus the character of God. So he does it like this. God, I know that you have promised to me your steadfast love. That's true. In the same moment, I also feel like you've turned your back from me. He's not just railing against God in anger. He's saying, God, this is true, and I don't feel it. Maybe you feel that right now about the situation we face together or something personally in your life. God, I know your word says this. I know this is true, but I don't feel it. Let us not be like the children of Israel, complaining about God to others. But let us be like David, who goes to God with our complaint. To speak to him, the one who knows all of our losses and crosses, knows them already. But to bring these burdens to him, everyone. As we gather in prayer, we gather up our praises and our pain. We bring him our adoration and our questions, our devotion and our doubts. We bring it all to him. What do you need to bring to Christ this morning? What burden do you bear that you need to bring to Christ this morning? Only one set of shoulders is strong enough to bear our burdens. The shoulders of the one who bore our sin. The one who bears your name written on his hands. The one who bears you upon his heart. Bring God, your burdens. 
The third step of lament is to ask for God's help. Now in verses 4 and 5. David's gone to the Lord with his prayer. He's aimed his thoughts. He's set his heart toward God. And now that he's speaking with him, he's going to ask him to do something about his situation. When we ask for God's help, specifically asking the Lord to intervene in our lives. This is known as petition. We're asking him to do something, to transform something, to change us, to change those around us, to change something in the world, to transform our situation. Anything that makes us groan under the fall. Change it. Redeem it. Save it. And David prays that God would turn and deliver his life. He asked God to save him based on the covenantal, steadfast, never-ending, unstopping love of the Lord toward him. And then as if to try to align his prayer with God's desires, he says, God, if you don't save me, I can't remember you in this life. If you don't sustain my life, I can't praise you here any longer. So you need to save me so that I can remember you here, so that I can tell to others the good news of God. David didn't want to die feeling this kind of disconnect from his heavenly father. So he pleads with God to do something based on his character that is consistent with his ways. So if God will deliver him, then he will be able to bring glory and praise to God on earth. The very reason for which he was created. If we could just have a moment, I want you to think back to when you first believed on Jesus Christ. When God first opened your eyes to see who Jesus was. Opened your heart to receive by faith the one who lived and died in your place. The first thing, the first things you did, the first response of your soul was to believe and repent. These twin graces. You repented of sin and trusted in Christ. And isn't repentance an expression of asking God to intervene? Isn't repentance a petition, boldly asking that God would be merciful to us to take all of our sin and lay it on his son Jesus instead? What an ask. Is there anything more bold, more audacious, more supernatural than to ask God to do that? Our faith began with asking God to do something on our behalf. And it's nourished in the same way. We're invited, welcomed, commanded to come to him with our petitions. To ask him to change, to redeem, to transform. Here's the key. We must ask things that are in accordance with his word. In accordance with his will. So ask God to work in, to change, or to be with you in the situations of life. Any situation of life. Ask for the Lord's help in moments of weakness, in moments of doubt, in moments of temptation. Ask for the Lord to intervene. And then the fourth step of biblical lament is to continue to trust. Verses 8 to 10. Trust is not only the destination, but the path itself. That we would walk through the brokenness of the world with belief in who God has revealed himself to be. No matter how winding the path of the Psalms may be, at the end of almost each of them, they arrive in a place of praise, of ongoing trust, 
of renewed understanding of who God is and all that he said that he would do. Even if the situations don't change. Our passage today swells with this crescendo of confidence. It's, it's though David dismisses his sorrows and sends them away. He comes to this deeper trust in God. Three times he reminds us that God has answered his prayer. It's as if he turns his attention from speaking to the Lord and now wants us to overhear this prayer so that our faith might be strengthened. He tells us God heard the prayer of his servant. That God heard the sound of his weeping. Brother and sister, the Lord counts every one of your tears. The Lord has heard his plea and accepts his prayer. David has this threefold confidence in God listening. As the king, David had the authority by the move of his hand to command an entire army. Yet he did not have the ability to pull himself up out of the despair he was in. He needed the Lord. Save me, O oh God. As we walk through the journey of lament, we will often not have the ability to change our circumstances. There will be times in your life where you cannot pull yourself up. You need the salvation of Jesus Christ. For those who know of us who know him, who walk closely with him, we need to continue to call on him, not to re-experience salvation. We have that. But be saved from these situations of life that can just crush us under their weight. We will not have the strength to pull ourselves out of the fog. We won't have the ability to heal our disease. Sometimes we won't, won't even have the, the means to restore a marriage. But come what may, God will not change. Martin Luther once said, I may not know where he leads me, but well do I know my guide. So brothers and sisters, those of you who know the saving work of Jesus, you can stand on every promise of God's word. You can believe that God is completely sovereign over the darkest day of your life. And his heart is full of love to you. He means you no harm. As a matter of fact, he's working all things ultimately for your good and for his glory. So we walk by faith in the one who has saved us and the one who holds our every day. Psalm 6 deals with the king of Israel enduring incredible spiritual depression. His eyes are filled with tears, his soul languishing, his body frail under the spiritual condition that he finds himself in. He calls out to God that his life would bring him glory and that his enemies would be put to shame and the Lord heard his prayer. Psalm 6 also points to a true and better king who would also come and would endure unparalleled spiritual and physical languishing. Jesus Christ in a garden called Gethsemane called out to his father God that his life would bring him glory. His weeping not only filled his bed, but his weeping was so strong and intense they were accompanied by sweating drops of blood. And God heard his cry. It wasn't long before Jesus put his enemies, Satan and sin and death, to shame by defeating them once and for all. Our family was gathered last night just reading 1 Corinthians 15, where we read, because of Christ, the sting of death 
has been removed. Even the grave has lost its sting. All because Jesus lives. He lives. And so we grieve the loss of our brother Russell. And we each face other expressions of suffering in our lives and sorrow and pain. But I pray for you, the people I love so dearly. Keep calling out to the Lord. Bring him your burdens, everyone. Ask him to change things. Continue to trust. Let's pray for his help. Lord, are you the one who knows the the hearts of all? You know us through and through. God, I ask that by the power of Christ and the presence of your spirit that you would minister the hope of the gospel, minister the comfort of Christ to each of us. That we might be a people who would continue to walk in trust. A people that you've bought with your own blood. A people you've saved from first to last. A people you've chosen, adopted, called, forgiven, redeemed, and completely loved. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.